Well, let's get into the word, shall we? Let's start with prayer. Lord, we know that you are right here with us. Lord, we, we know that I just, in, in studying about heaven this last week, I, I learned that the Jews believed that, you know, heaven wasn't a far off separated place, but there was just a thin veil between our reality and where God's presence was. That God, that you are right here with us. Not far off distance like we're making a telephone call to you, but in speaking you are right here all around us and with us. And God, I pray that your presence would be felt by your children this morning. God, that those that are hurting would feel your comfort. Those that are angry, Lord, that your peace would settle in, that you'd be leading each one of us. Lord, those of us that are joyful, that we celebrate in you. God, I pray that your presence would be working in each heart. God, that I pray for every individual person, whatever they're thinking about, whatever they're wrestling with, and struggling with, whatever they're celebrating, God, that you would be with them and they would sense their loving Heavenly Father with them as we look at your word this morning. God, I pray the saints would be encouraged today and that you would guide me in my words in Jesus' name. Amen. I have been started talking last week about a value we have here at Mount Helena Community Church and it's the value of development. And I started talking last week about if we, the idea that if we want to develop, if we want to grow, if we want to become who God is calling us to be, then we have to have vision for that. And so I talked about the concept of vision and, and, and just looking ahead. And uh, before I uh, review some of those things. I want to go over the five values that we have as a church, and I talk about them in different ways, but I don't know if I ever stand up here in front of you and talk about all five of them. And so I just want to remind us of what they are, and this is a little bit of preview even of what we do in Link. But if we could go to that first slide, the first value we talk about here at Mount Helena is authenticity. We want to keep it real, keeping it real. When we start to be fake, and phony, or we have to pretend, then we start to miss God in things. we got to keep it real if we want to have good relationships. The second value we talk about is generosity. We want to give like He gives. How many of you know and understand that God is the most generous of all? Ultimately, giving up uh, His life on the cross that you and I might live. That is the epitome of generosity. We want to give like He gives. The third value we have is commitment. We're dedicated to the kingdom. It isn't a hobby, and it's not just a club. It's something we're dedicated to see fulfilled on the earth. We want to be a dedicated people, committed to the kingdom of God. Commitment is the third value. The fourth value is development, the one we're talking about right now. We value development. And really, what is this? This is discipleship. This is growth. This is building relationship with Christ and becoming who you are called to be. We value development, pursuing growth in Christ. We should always be on a journey, taking the next steps and growing into who God has called us to be. Taking the next steps, responding in obedience to how he's challenging us. We value development, and that's what we're talking about as a series right now. And the fifth value we talk about is family. We, we, I believe and we believe as a church that the church is, in a sense, a family and relates like family. 
And so in our communication, in the way we talk to each other, in the way we relate to one another, in the way we work through our conflicts and our disagreements, we want to do it like family. You know, if you're part of a club and that club does something you don't like, you just leave. But if you're part of a family and things get tough, you come together. That's a big difference between a social club, a club, something like that, a hobby group versus a family. We want to relate in a multi-generational family. And I love looking across the room and seeing variety of age. We got everyone from brand new babies to great grandmas and grandpas in the room. And we need to be that. We need each other. We need that multi-dimensional family, multi-generational in order to thrive in the kingdom. So those are the things we value. And I want to focus in for the next few weeks on the value of development and our vision as a church. I want to begin in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. And God blessed them. This is the story of Adam and Eve. It's obviously the very first chapter of the Bible in Genesis. And God is setting the tone for creation. We see that he spoke and he created. And and his very first instructions to mankind is this. And God blessed them. Great. It's great to start out with a blessing. It's great to start out knowing God is with you. And then he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. We have work to do. Now, when we read this, we often think of children. Okay, we need to have kids and like populate the earth. And yes, that would be part of it. But there's so much to this idea that God has put you and I in a place of stewardship on the earth and has instructed us to develop in the world and develop the world. God's mission towards mankind in some sense is to develop. God's intention is that we grow as individuals and we grow collectively. Isn't it interesting when you think about it that mankind has always been pushing for next pushing to develop. It's why we have advancement in technology and understanding. It's why people don't just isolate and stay in one place generally. Things spread and they grow. So as we learn more, as we gain new understanding, we spread that around. Why? Because God put in you and I the mandate to be fruitful and multiply. In other words, there's other ways of translating that word fruitful. It's the idea of flourishing. How many of you could just stop and pause and reflect on your life and go, I would like to flourish. I'm not experiencing flourishing right now, but I would like to. That's God's instruction to us is to grow. Why do we value development? Because it's God's intention for us. God wants us to grow, and not only to grow, to be fruitful. You picture the, a fruit tree and it, it growing and it developing and it getting to a point where it begins to share what it is with the rest of the world. So we can focus on it. We're, we're going to talk about our own personal development today, but the intention is that it doesn't always stay internal or with us or isolated or independent, but that it grows into something that begins to have impact in the world around us and become fruitful, begin to flourish. That's what God has called us to. Subduing and having dominion, those are powerful words. But things that God has instructed you and I to do in many, many ways, it requires a lot more than numbers. We're not just subduing the earth by population. We're doing it in every way. 
God commanded Adam to do this. He commanded Noah to do it. When Noah and his family got off the ark after the flood, God said the same thing. Be fruitful. To Abraham, he, he said it this way, that, that he would make him fruitful. Again, it's in the heart and mind of God that man be fruitful and that God himself partners with us to make us fruitful. That requires us to develop. We recognize that God is behind our fruitfulness. Isaac, Abraham's son, when he blessed his son Jacob, same thing. You will be fruitful. So we see a generational thing take place here. God cares about our growth, our development, our fruitfulness. They're a big deal to him. They're his command to us, and he gets behind us to do that. Well, I was talking last week about having vision. I mean, I, I don't think, I can't imagine being fruitful. I don't know what that means for my life specifically. How do I, how do, I do that? How is God going to empower me to do that? I, I can't even get, see past today. And so we started talking about vision. And I want to remind us of a passage I shared with you last week, Proverbs 29, verse 18. And I added in here in parentheses some of the other um, you know, if you study the individual words there, ways of understanding those words, it's sort of an amplified version uh, of this Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, where there is no prophetic vision. In other words, where there's no ability to, to have revelation from God in his word. We don't understand what God is doing. We, we can't see it. We don't know what it is. We don't understand. When we don't have that, then we become the people who cast off restraint. We get discouraged. What does it mean to be restrained? It's the idea of being guided and directed, not just pinned down to do nothing. I mean, that word does mean that. But in the original language, this word restraint is the idea of being guided. So we, we get discouraged when we have no guidance, when we have no vision, when we don't have understanding of what God wants, when we don't know what his word says. We feel neglected. When we read the word of God, we see that God takes care of us. We know that to be true. But if we don't have revelation of that, we feel neglected, lacking, uncovered. But blessed or happy is he who keeps the law or the direction, the instruction, the wisdom, and the ways of God. So we have to have vision based on who God is in order to develop, in order to see where we are growing. Our growth dramatically reduces or stops when we don't have vision for it. We do not grow if we don't have vision for it. There is never a case where there's no vision. We might not see it, but there is never, ever a case where there's no vision. Now, today might be your last day. Even today, there's vision. There's always, always Vision. There's always next. There's always future. But sometimes we can't see it. And when we can't, we get discouraged. We know people. Maybe you're one of these people. We give up. There's no more hope for my life. There's no more for me to do. We cast off restraint. We give up. We get discouraged when we don't have vision for our own development and our own growth. Even when we don't see the growth possibilities. Even when we don't see what God wants us to do next, it's there 
the Word of God speaks to them. It's one of the many, many reasons it's so important and invaluable that you are reading and studying and understanding the Word of God because it speaks to the vision for your life. Now, it's not all written to you specifically in terms of uh, we, we look to the examples of many of those that came before us, and it gives us instruction. But there are things that are written to us specifically and encourage us. And we may get to that later if we have time. In order to grow, you must believe there's more. Are you with me? Yes. Yes. In, order to grow, in order to grow, you must believe there's more than you're experiencing right now. And when we read the Word of God and we absorb it, digest it, comprehend it, let it become a part of our hearts, we begin to understand there is more to experience. There's more Mount Helena Community Church. There's more people than are sitting in this room that are yet to be a part of what we're doing. There's more people in this community that need hope and life. There's more that God wants to bring into his net. We talked about this earlier in the year, and I had a fishing net up here, if you recall those of you that were here. We are building a net. There's a vision, there's a future, and each person is a part of the catching of that fish. I had a funny picture, you know, we're we're all sheep of his pasture. We want to get more people into this flock. And then I had a picture of a fishing net catching sheep. That's really what we're doing. If we're doing it, are we doing it? I had a conversation with uh, Bill and Rachel Haberman this last week that came by the office and we were visiting and we were, we were talking about revival and we were thinking about, I mean, how many of you would like to see a great spiritual awakening around you? People coming to freedom, people coming into transformation in Christ, people having breakthrough in the areas that they're stuck and stepping into who God has called them to be and how he's gifted them. How many of you would like to see more of that? I would like, come on. I mean, are we happy to just sit here like this the rest of our lives? There's more. There's more people. There's more adventures. There's more gifting. There's more vision. There's more for Mount Helena Community Church. There's more for you as an individual as well. There's always next. There's always more. God is a God of growth. He's a God of development. He's a God who has mandated to mankind to be fruitful. You know, I was thinking about that thing of revival. I'm thinking, you know what? God likes stewardship. God values our stewardship. And I thought, if God threw 500 fish in our net, we would break. And I'm thinking, okay, I want to prepare. I want to prepare for God to fill our nets. But that takes every single person. It takes all of us with a mindset to grow. Not, not, new, not just numerically. I'm talking about growing our gift, growing our activation, growing our serving, Grow in our understanding and vision for what God has for us. See, God's not going to throw 500 fish into our net if he thinks the net's going to break. He loves his children too much. So if we're praying for a revival, we also have to pray for a net that can catch the fish. Very, very important concept. And guess who the net is? We are. I mean, I can, I can see right now if I were to take, take a a fishing net and just lay it over everything. We're all interconnected. We're all joined in relationship. We're all working together in development and growth. Is there more? Even if today's your last day, there's more. And even after you leave this body, there's more. And your your spirit goes to be with the Lord and awaiting a new body, a recreation of heaven and earth. 
new creation is coming, there will be more to do. Jesus returns and we all have resurrected bodies like him. And it says, he makes the heavens and earth new. You know, the Bible says the creation waits, longs in eager expectation so that God can destroy it. No, that it will be liberated from its bondage. God makes a new heaven and earth and he makes you and I brand new. There will be more to do then. Anyway, fun to think about. We value development because it's part of our mission biblically. Got our logo back here and our little mission statement here, building community, living the mission. It is the mission of God that we grow as individuals, that we grow in our relationship with him, that we grow in our understanding of him, that we grow in our fruitfulness and our impact in other lives. That is the mission. And I want to focus in particularly on Matthew 28, 19. And I've, I, if there's a verse that I've used too much, if that's possible, or all the time, or that maybe you would, are getting sick of, it's this. Go, therefore, and what? Make disciples of all nations. Well, maybe we should talk about disciples for a second. What is a disciple? I mean, I can imagine, you know, we, we call them Jesus' disciples. And so when we say his disciples, we think of the immediate guys that were around him, the 12 apostles. We think of the stained glass windows that tell a story. When you, you know, if you're in an older church building and you got the stained glass windows and you see the disciples with Jesus, the apostles with Jesus, we think they were the disciples. That's actually not accurate. Anyone who is learning the discipline of Anyone who is growing in is a disciple. Every one of us is a disciple of Christ. We are learning about him. We are learning to relate to him. We're learning to obey him. We're learning to spread his kingdom and his gospel on the earth. We're learning to reflect who he is in the world. Every one of you is a disciple. Are you with me? Yes. Are you a disciple? Yes. Unless you're not paying attention, you might not be a disciple. But a disciple is someone who learns, someone who is becoming. You are in a development process called discipleship. Don't misunderstand the word disciple. That's not a word relegated to the very important apostles that were immediately around Jesus. The Bible refers to the others besides the 12 as disciples. And if Jesus said, go and make disciples, if those 12 were the only disciples, how could we make more of them? The mission Jesus gave us was to grow people up, if I could say it that way. It's to develop others. It's to be developed ourselves. We need to be disciples. We always will be. We're always growing. We're always learning. But then we need to take that learning and understanding and relationship with God and begin to invest it in the lives of others. That is the mission of the church. Make disciples. So when I'm in a moment like this where I'm reviewing last year and I'm thinking about where we are as a church, as as the leader of the church, I have a responsibility to consider the direction we're going, to look at what's going on in the church, to ask myself some questions. Are we doing things well? Are we accomplishing our mission? Are we reaching our goals? What do we have to do differently? How do we have to change? And this is going to be the first thing I'm thinking about. I can, are we making disciples? Are we fulfilling the mandate of Christ? Are we helping others develop? 
So when I think about us as a church living the mission, I'm thinking about all of the things that we're doing to help us develop. And then not just us, but those who will be a part of us as we continue to grow. Are we developing? And so I'm going to take inventory in my own life, and that's what I'm going to challenge you to do today, is take some inventory in your life, and then I'm also going to take inventory of the church and go, okay, are we meeting our goals? No. Then we need to do this. Yes. Then let's make these modifications, et cetera, et cetera. This is how we look and reflect on whether or not we're really accomplishing the mission we're called to live. Now, you could receive what I'm saying with all kinds of guilt because we could say that we're never going to measure up completely and those kind of things, and then we just cast it off to the side and get hopeless and all those kind of things. No, this is a journey. It's step by step, day by day. Jesus walking with you, helping you grow. Just like a little kid who makes mistakes, who rebels, who falls down and doesn't know how to get up. Jesus is right there with you, helping you develop by the power of his spirit. But the question is, really, that I want to ask you is, are you developing? If we value development, if that's the mission of the church, take inventory in your own life and go, am I growing? Am I subduing the earth and ruling over it? In other words, growing in that authority and direction of God in my life. We need to reflect on that and consider The development question, you know, that I want to kind of think about today is, first of all, how have you been discipled? You ever asked yourself that question? We don't use that language, so probably not. Many of us aren't going to go, am I being discipled? How was I discipled? But if you stop and think back over this last year, how did you grow? How did you get closer to Christ? How did you invest in others? What did you learn about God? I'm going to I'm warning you right now in a few minutes, those of you that, how many note takers with notebooks do I have in the room? Seriously, put them up high. I want to see them because you're my fellow nerds. I like you. How many of you take notes on your phone? You guys are weird. Good job. Good job. I'm just teasing. How many of you have a Bible? I'm a little bit old school in this. I think everybody should have a notebook and a Bible every Sunday. And this old school that way. We need to know the Word of God. Now, how many of you... Put, okay, those of you who have a Bible, put your hands up. We're going to have a little fun. Those of you that have one in that... Uh, what's it called? Paper. Not phone. Put your, who has a paper Bible? Come on. Oh, not at home. That doesn't count. It's not doing you any good there. Collecting dust. Okay, I'm just having fun with you. I'm going ha- to ask you to... Write down something, some things. Or, and some of you are going you're gonna to say, no, I'm just, I'll just remember it. Okay, I'll, I'll take your word for it. I have a story for you about that later. How have I been discipled? How will I become more of a disciple? And how am I discipling others? How am I discipling others? Okay, get out your phones, notebooks, whatever you want to take a note on, if you're going to take notes. Okay, some of you are just going to not listen to me and not do what I'm asking you to do. I understand. You're going to say, I'll remember what you asked me to do, Jer. Let me tell you a story. I was 20 years old, and I met this beautiful, 
blue-eyed girl from Kalispell. She is my wife now. Just everybody breathe, okay? <laughs> it was awkward. And I was young, and, and, I, and I, we, were at a, she, we were at family camp in Hungry Horse. We used to go there, and she came in from Kalispell, and her and I were visiting, and I was riding with a friend of mine who, for now, will remain anonymous, and I'm like, man, I think I'm going to get her phone number. I'm going to get her number. I'm going to get her number, and we're, gonna, we're on our way to meet somewhere, and he's like, yeah, you should. You know, he's egging me on, and this is kind of his personality anyway, and I'm like, ah, maybe I don't want to be too pushy, and finally he goes, if you don't, I'm going to. I was like, oh, man, I can't let him get her number. I got to get. So anyway, we get to the place, and I got to get heading back to Helena, and she's got to go home. And, and uh, I'm like, can I get your number? And, and, and we can't find anything to write on. And, and uh, it's raining outside, and I got to get in my car and get going. And, of course, she's a girl with nice hair, and it's raining, and she wants to get out of there because it's messing up her hair probably, you know, those kind of things. I'm like, just tell me, and I'll remember You all know where this is going, don't you? That was 24 and a half years ago. We still have that conversation on a regular basis around our house. Oh, I'll remember, Janny. No, you won't. <laughs> Will you remember to pick up the kids from the... Oh, yeah, no, you won't. I'll text you at three and make sure you get there. If you don't write it down, you don't remember. I remember she goes, okay, here it is. 406 and I'm just looking into these blue eyes. <laughs> well, the unfortunate thing is that I had no way of getting her number after that. She's waiting at home for me to call for two weeks. Lucky I didn't miss the chance, aren't I? I'm telling you this for a reason. Get out your notebook. Now, just a minute. I'll finish the story. I'll... The rest of the story. So I get home. I can't remember the number. I'm feeling like such a jerk. And I don't want to call any of her family because I don't want to alert them that I might be interested because they're in this church and I'm the single dad at that point and they're trying to marry me off with anyone. So I didn't want anyone to know and so I had to wait for her cousin to get back from vacation for two weeks. She had moved on with her life by then. Fortunately, I wooed her back in and we're married with four children and a grandchild today. So... The moral of the story is write it down. That was a long story to tell you that. I want to ask you a question. And seriously, I want you to consider what I'm saying. Because it's easy when, when someone's preaching and you're sitting to just think hypothetically. Yeah, he's talking to everybody else. No, I'm talking to you. In what way did you grow in the last year? One, or one, one two, three word answer. In what way did you grow in the last year? Can you think of anything? Not your waistline. I did that one. Well, I, had to, I, had, I knew I was going to ask you this question, so I had to answer it myself. What ways did I grow in this last year? And I thought, you know what? I really grew in learning the peace of God despite circumstances. Okay, we had some tough circumstances this last year, which forced me into some growth that I didn't want to grow in. I had to, finding the peace of God in all circumstances. I know I grew in that. I grew in my love for the Psalms. How many of you know when you're struggling, you can connect with David and his struggles? 
Man, that's good stuff. I know I grew in that way. Hopefully I grew as a husband. You might have to talk to my wife about whether or not that's true. How did you grow? Because those are important. Don't, that's discipleship. If you grew as a husband or a wife, that's discipleship. That is the heart of God for you to grow in that way. That's part of your discipleship. I told the, the crew today, uh, our, before service, you don't know this, but at 9.30, we gather back here in the corner and we talk about the day and we pray. We call it huddle. And I encourage them this morning, it doesn't matter if you think your job's insignificant today. Like, you can imagine if you're a door greeter, all I got to do is smile and say hi. Maybe help somebody find where the restroom is. That's discipleship. Everything you do to invest in the life of somebody else is discipleship. It's part of their growing and development and yours. So you are never done being discipled or discipling others. Do you have something in your mind that you can think of? If you don't, then what is it going to be? If I didn't grow at all in the last year, you might be in trouble. You need to start focusing on that. How do I grow? What kind of things can I do? I don't have any vision for my life. I don't have any vision for what's next. I don't know what God's calling me to do. How have you grown in spiritual maturity? How did, here's some other questions or ways to think about it. How did I transform? I'm not talking about transformers. I'm talking about actual heart and mind, soul level, spirit level, transformation. The Bible sets you and I on a journey of transformation. Do not be conformed to this world, Romans 12, 2, but be transformed by the renewal of of your mind. God has called you by his power to be transformed. He wants to bring a rebirth, a new you onto the scene. Him in you. Him creating you into who he ultimately intends for you to be. He wants to transform you. I have a passage for that, I think. Maybe I don't. Do not be conformed, but be transformed. Have you allowed God to transform you in the last year or season of your life? How about freedom? Did you find freedom in anything? Talked to a good friend of mine this morning. He's going to quit smoking. Been fighting that battle. He wants freedom from that. Have you found any freedom lately? You're called to freedom. Did you know that? Freedom from the bondages of sin. If sin is locked onto you like a ball and chain, you can't kick a habit. You can't break away from something. You can't figure out how to change or to grow. Did you know that God has called you to freedom? That what he did for you on the cross is meant to break those chains off of your life? How many of you would like some more freedom? Am I preaching to the choir this morning? Come on. How about freedom for others? This should jack us up, man. This is what God has given us to bring into the world. How many people do we know could use some liberty and freedom from the chains that are on their life? For freedom, Christ says free. How are they going to get free? Going to read a Christian billboard one day and that's going to be it? No, it's going to be through you. It's going to be through your investment in their life. It's going to be through your relationship with them. It's going to be through the wisdom of God's word coming out of your mouth and being demonstrated in your actions that will liberate other people. You're called to make disciples. That is your mission. 
For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now, the context of this is a legalistic attitude about your relationship with God. But we also understand that there are lots of forms of slavery spiritually. You've been set free. Don't resubmit yourself to any form of slavery in your life. Live as people who are free. Live free. But not to use your freedom as a cover-up for evil but living as servants of God. And we do that. Grace, grace, grace. Therefore, I can behave however the heck I want. No, that's not the mission. Pleasing yourself is not the mission. The mission is others. It's making disciples and becoming a disciple yourself. For you were called to freedom. What am I called to? Well, I can tell tell you biblically you're called to freedom. I might not know what your specific call is, but I know that the Bible is full of things that you're called to, and it's universal to all of us. You're called to freedom. That's what you're called to. Just don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but use it to serve one another. The Bible really goes after our selfishness, doesn't it? Love is not self. You do, yeah, you, do, you need to have love for who you are and things like that, but love is others-centered. It's focused on others. By definition, that's what it is. How do we love others? Not, not serving ourselves, but serving others. Did you grow this last year? Addiction, mental barriers. Did you break through some mental barriers? Emotional struggles you've had. Where did you experience healing this year? Physical healing, mental healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing, whatever. Maybe that helps you think of some things. How about misunderstanding who God is? Isn't it lovely when you get to the point in your life where you realize God actually does love me? Oh, we can say it till the cows come home. But the moment we really understand the father heart of God is a breakthrough moment. Oh, man. If you don't have that, I'm going to pray for you that you get that. There's nothing like it that can carry you through the most difficult things. Understanding that I have a God who loves me. What did you learn in the last year? You all got something written down in your mind on a piece of paper? I want you to remember Okay, then what do I need to grow in the next season? What do I need to do to become more of a disciple of Christ? First of all, I should think about it. Take some time and pray about it. What do I need to do? How do I grow more? Maybe I need, maybe there's just the typical church things we talk about. Maybe I need to read my Bible more. Maybe I should be nice to my wife. Hey, The advice never gets old. Read your Bible. Be nice to the people around you. Be loving, caring, and compassionate. Be understanding. Meet them where they are. Walk with them. What can I do to grow as a disciple? Maybe I need to take some advice. I know we're we're full of Montanans here, independent people. We don't take advice. We live our own way. That's not biblical. Maybe we need to take some advice that someone's been trying to give us. Maybe we need to humble ourselves and go apologize for something. Maybe we need to ask forgiveness for something. It's as simple as those things. Maybe I should deal with that situation. Maybe it is time I give up my addiction. Maybe it's time I talk to somebody about it. You know, if you confess your sin one to another, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins. 
No, maybe I should just talk about it. What simple step can you take to grow as a disciple of Christ? Maybe you need to receive some teaching. I, don't, I know you're hearing me today, but you're not all receiving what I'm saying. You can hear me, but you're not listening. Have you heard that before? There's a difference between hearing and taking in information. It's a whole other thing to actually own it. To take hold of it and let it become something in your life. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Ouch. Don't just listen. Just listening won't be enough for you to grow. You have to take what you hear and put it into practice. One little step at a time. It's intimidating. It's challenging. I'd be lying to you if I told you it was easy. It is not easy. It's worth it. Take what you hear and put it into practice in your life. How do you do that? It's challenging. Remind yourself of the truth. I'm going to wrap up with this. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold... Hold to my teaching. Lay hold of it. Obey it. Do it. You are really my disciples. If you do what I say, you really are going to be my disciple. You're a learner. You're growing. You're developing. You're becoming who God has called you to be. You have to have vision for that. You have to be able to see that that's possible. You have to see that the word is instructing all of us collectively and each one is an individual to grow and to hold on to his teaching, to become a disciple, then, then what? Oh, wait, there's something attached to this. There's something attached to this. If I do this, if I hold to these teachings, I'm going to know something. You know what it is? It's the truth. When we get a hold of the truth, maybe, if you, need, maybe you need to grow, maybe you need to tell yourself the truth. I find myself telling people this more and more these days, talking about situations they're in and how they're struggling. I'm like, and they're just like, I'm just stupid. I'm never going to get over it. It's insurmountable, whatever the situation is. Stop. Tell yourself the truth. What's the truth? Don't lie to yourself anymore. But where are you going to get the truth? Not some self-help psychology kind of thing. I mean, I'm all for those kind of things. But the real truth is right here in Christ, holding to his teaching. And in doing so, we become his disciples. Would you stand, please? That was the fastest 30 minutes of my life. Mine too. <laughs> yeah, you too? I guess, what am I really getting at here? Why am I... I want us, Mount Helena Community Church, you're an owner here. I want everyone to be an owner and to recognize that we have a mission to live out about being disciples ourselves, which is mostly what we focused on, but also about discipling others, which we'll get more into next week. This is his calling. Let's take it seriously. Don't underestimate how God can use you. Don't underestimate the calling of God on your life. Don't settle for mediocrity. Lay hold of his teaching and walk in it and grow. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. God, I thank you that you don't just expect us to fulfill all kinds of things in our own strength, but rather you walk with us in this journey. 
I will not leave you nor forsake you. For surely I am with you always till the very end of the age, the end of that passage in Matthew says. Lord, you are with us walking out this discipleship, walking out this development and growth process that you have for us. God, you empower us, you teach us. And Lord, we depend on you. Lord, I pray for all my friends in this room today. God, I pray, Lord, that you would be bringing vision and revelation into each heart about how much you see, how much you care, and what the truth is. Not a lie, not culture, not circumstances, not bad experiences, but truth. That by your spirit, you'd be ministering truth into each heart about who you are and the value of each person in this mission that you've called us to as a church. Lord, I pray that you would go with each family and each individual as they go about their day to day, reminding them. God, I know that one of the works of your spirit is reminding. You bring things to mind. You bring a conviction inside of us to recall things. And Lord, I pray that all throughout the week, this would be bubbling up in people's hearts and minds. I am a disciple. I'm a learner. I'm learning the discipline of Christ. And I'm called to also make other learners. So God, I pray that for that encouragement to be in each one of us. And God, we thank you for including us in such a magnificent mission. We thank you for your blessings on our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.